Hello. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information about this and other projects, please visit www.thoughtjarproductions.com. That's www.thoughtjarproductions.com. We can also be found at Thoughtjar Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to this program on iTunes and on Spotify, and please tell your friends about this show. And now, for this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. This week... We are reviewing 1968's The Planet of the Apes. Joining me to review The Planet of the Apes are two people, one who has seen the film and one who has not. Our person who has seen the film and is sat opposite me making his podcast debut is Daniel Buckle. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's very great to be here, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing how well I do actually remember this film. And uh, just for the folks at home, uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'm an actor and uh, writer and improviser, um, and I do that. Um, I also work for the Starlight Children's Foundation, um, entertaining kids in uh, Princess Margaret Hospital. Excellent. And joining us on this wet and rainy night here in Perth, Western Australia, is our person who hasn't seen the film, returning, Miss Anna Weir. Anna, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. And Anna, uh, just a reminder for the folks at home about who you are and what you do. Um, I am a costume student at WAPA, which basically means I spend a lot of time crying and drinking wine and... Crying about sewing, really. That's probably probably about it. But that's more of a sewing thing than a whopper whop, thing. Like, yeah. It's about a half a half. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, yes, and you just uh, were involved in a rather successful run of uh, production of 42nd Street. Yes, we did it at the Regal Theatre in Subiaco, and it was a heck of a lot of work, but it actually turned out really, really well. Excellent. So, uh, this week's film is The Planet of the Apes. The reason we're looking at it is because of the upcoming War for the Planet of the Apes, the third film in the third reboot of this series. Oh, good Christ. Yes. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. And also, this, this original Planet of the, of the Apes film that kicked it all off turns 50 next year. So, I think it's an interesting one to look at. That, yeah. 50? Yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, then it's it's about time for the remake. I mean, sometimes they just wait a, wait a decade. They're already talking about remaking The Matrix. Well, there, there is that indeed. But, um, I mean, okay, so the, we had the original run of the Planet of the Apes film, which I believe there were five of between uh, the late 60s and the mid-70s. And then, of course, uh, 2001's The Planet of the Apes, directed by Tim Burton. Uh, Dan, did you see that one? I did. Um, I saw it very drunk. Okay. Um, so I think that helped Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it is the sort of film that you shouldn't see sober or, or even mostly conscious. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't think it was that good. Okay, that's fine. Uh, my guilty confession is I actually quite like it. Even though Even though it is a bad film, mm. um, I, I really enjoyed it when it first came out. And even though there were a lot of flaws with that version, the monkey's prosthetics are excellent. Um, that, that, yeah. that I will say is true, yeah. And then, of course, the most recent uh, franchise, which has got uh, the motion-captured 
digitally generated uh, monkeys with uh, Andy Serkis as the lead monkey, uh, Caesar, which have been uh, pretty good films as well, um, a, b- a bit darker than uh, a lot of the other adaptions of Planet of the Apes, um, but they've certainly proved popular because we're about to get the third of them. Uh, but taking it all back to this first film, uh, starring, of course, uh, Mr. Charlton Heston oh. and Roddy McDowell, oh. Kim Hunter, oh. uh, so, you know, some really big names from, yeah. from the late 60s. Mm. Um, Anna, what, what do you actually know of The Planet of the Apes? Um, I know the plot twist at the end. <gasps> oh, it's been out for 50, 49 years. I, oh, think, good, I think we're good. okay. But that's li- like literally, that's it. Mm. No, that's fair. And I, th- I think just, just in the off chance that someone is listening in that hasn't seen... Oh, I'm not going to bring it up now. It, and also, uh, <laughs> yeah, doesn't know it. We won't mention it till we're in the actual reviewing section. Um, but it is probably the most famous thing about the film. That and maybe the uh, Simpsons musical version. Uh, yes. Starring Troy McClure. Both I've, of which I was fully intending to, to do. Have you not seen that? Yeah. Well, I've, I've never really watched The Simpsons. <gasps> well, okay. When we After we've watched this film, yeah. we will have to yes. show you this very funny, like, 90-second okay. musical version. Okay. Anyway, um, Dan, as you were saying before, not, not a massive... Uh, recollection really of of the film as it no, stands. No, only the key moments, the mm. the, the plot twist, twist at the end. The end. Yep. Mm. Um, uh, a few few key lines. Um, I remember Charlton Heston's chin. Mm. Um, he is kind of a babe. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, like then, not now. No, no he's he's, no. he's quite dead. And no. and this is also a film in which you do get to see him without any clothes on. Yeah. So uh, personally, yeah. I just I can't separate the the NRA from. from oh yeah, him no, that as, that as really dampens down the whole sex appeal thing. Yeah. It, it it does, but um, but yeah. then you also think yeah. in this particular movie, you think, well, if anyone should be there, maybe you know, trying to fight for the human race, it would be him. Yeah. Yeah, Charlton Heston and uh, his, his NRA affiliation, I think, would be very welcome in yeah, this situation. Yeah, I mean, they've so, killed so many humans over the years yeah. uh, through their ad- advocation. It, yeah, it fits. makes sense to move it to the apes. Um, so, shall we jump into it then? Yes. Excellent. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, prepare your DVD players or streaming services at home as we watch The Planet of the Apes. Okay, everybody, welcome back uh, to our review of The Planet of the Apes. Uh, I'm Stephen, and I'm joined by Mr. Dan Buckle. Hello. And Miss Anna Weir. Hello. So, guys, what did we think of The Planet of the Apes? Um, well, we made fun of it <laughs> quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It made fun of itself it a made bit, fun too. Of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it, actually. Mm. Well, I think we should probably touch on uh, the end, because uh, yes. that, that is the thing that people know the most about this film, yes. um, is the fact that it was indeed Earth all along. <gasps> um, oh, yeah. that explains so much. Yeah, there's not just lots of Statues of Liberties. Uh, it's not as though there was some like tourist shop. It was like, quick, get one of these. Well, you Although never know. could have been. Uh, but yes, no, it turns out that the whole thing took place in uh, the state of New York, but a very... Uh, transmogrified one because it seems the human wa- uh, human race sorry the human, the race. human race works wiped though. itself out or nearly wiped itself out and left a power vacuum which the apes capitalized upon which is a pretty cool concept i mean you're not wrong there that is a cool concept hmm. 
What I uh, really uh, I admire about the entire concept is not just how there's the whole flip of apes now ruling and humans being in the position that we treated apes like uh, a lot, but how unsympathetic Charlton Heston is to that role reversal. Mm. It's not, oh yeah, maybe we could have treated animals better. It's, damn you, you filthy apes. How dare you treat me like this way? Give me nicer smelling clothes to wear. Mm. And Charlton Heston's character, George Taylor, is a bit of a dick. Yeah, like I got to the end of the film and I was like, wow, gee, this is really sad. But also he sucks mm. and I yeah. don't really care what happens to him. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, for starters, he's smoking a cigar in the spaceship. I'm Which, pretty sure that's against the rules. He would really know that. That's that seems no so unsafe. Yeah. Maybe that's why that girl dies at the end. Yeah, that that's another thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I did write down at one point uh, female representation, knowing that uh, we'd get onto this, because this was a film made in 1968, and it feels like it may be a little bit older than that in, <laughs> in some of its respects, um, because we really have three female characters, really. Yes. We have... Yeah, uh, three. We, well, we, there was that one other ape lady with the kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the three named characters, yeah. anyway. There's uh, Stuart, who uh, is the astronaut that dies of mummification i think mostly because she can't grow a beard yeah i feel like her cause of death was just being a woman and they mm. were like ah oh, that'll do good yeah. enough although originally in the book that character was male so eh, come see come sir come on pierre you're letting us down yeah you're letting us down <laughs> yeah um and then obviously there is zira who is the sort of main female character the scientist who's trying to show that no these humans can be educated um and who is a pretty strong, competent character. She, yeah, she was good. I mean, it's yeah. nice to see a woman in the STEM fields. Yeah, and she was um, reasonably well-respected. Yeah. Dr. Zayas disrespected her, but at the same time... He disrespected um, everyone, so yeah. it wasn't just because she was a woman. Mm. And then the third female character was uh, Nova, <laughs> or at least that's what she was dubbed. Um, and she doesn't say anything... Or really do anything. Yeah. Charlton Heston trophy. She does mm. not pass the sexy lampshade test. Mm. <laughs> and for those who don't know the sexy lampshade test. It's basically if a female character can be, I'm probably phrasing this really badly, but if a female character can be replaced by a sexy lampshade and the story doesn't really change, then you've written a bad for you done goofed. You mm. done goofed, screenwriters. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely does not pass that test. No. It's a very pleasing image imagining a sexy why lampshade, though. Why do you keep making me mm. watch these films, Stephen, that just make me angry what, about these women? these 1960s science fiction films with a lot of ape prosthetics yeah. that have very few female role models? Yeah. Yeah, I've done quite well. You're two for two so far with that and uh, Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's okay. We'll get you on something that, at the very least, doesn't involve ape prosthetics next time. Oh, that's all I ask for. Okay. That's all I ask for. Um, so, The Crash... Obviously, the film starts with a bit of a bang, the, the spaceship crashing into the surface of this supposedly foreign planet. For no reason? For no reason. Was well, there no, a no, reason? Reason, no reason that's shown okay. in, in the actual film. Yeah. I, I think it's just, you know, it's a spaceship, no one's at the helm, it crashed. Okay. Um, they seemed very unprepared for yeah. space travel yeah. in general. They really did. For a bunch of astronauts on a space mission. They seemed like they were yeah. surprised to be in space, <laughs> surprised to no longer be in space when they were returning, 
and then surprised with what to do with the planet once they were back on it. And also surprised that they were in space for quite such a long time. Yeah, yeah that, that point got hammered home. It there. really did. At least half that crew didn't know what was going on yeah. on that mission. It's almost as though no one explained time dilation. There's, there is a counter that's shown <laughs> yeah. that shows spaceship time, 1972, actual Earth time, 26 something something. So, and like, what did they just never look at that and go, oh, those two numbers don't match up? Yeah, well, our clock's wrong. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, well, I mean, with the character of um, uh, Landon, yes, it, I, it was very much. Um, the Charlton Heston's character, uh, George Taylor, when he's um, chastising him when they first get to the planet, is going, you were just promoted from within and you had to say yes, didn't you? You know, and that kind of thing. It's kind of implied that he was essentially forced into the mission and maybe he hadn't come to terms with the fact that everything and everyone he knew was dead. That wasn't helped by George Taylor going, everyone we know is dead. Like he was happy about that. Mm. I think he's, he is the sort of person that would be very happy to go on Elon Musk's Mars mission, though. I think that's, that's what comes yeah. across quite strongly. But at the same time, he, they, they sort of addressed his being a dick by saying, oh, you just hated humanity and you were dissatisfied with everything that was going on there. But he never does anything that isn't like the worst parts of humanity. Uh, and also, if you did hate people that much, why would you agree to go on this mission where you're trapped in a small room with people, essentially, maybe, for a long time. Maybe they weren't... Oh, now there's a theory. Maybe, because whenever we see the astronauts sort of pre-crash, they're all in what we assume is just, like, Ooh. cryostasis. Mm. Maybe he got so annoyed with them that he was like, you know what? I'm pre-programming all of you to be in stasis for longer. So they did... And that's why they don't know. That's why they don't know it's been so long. It could also be the fact that he's looking at it as kind of a numbers game. He's like, well, I can either be stuck on the planet with most of the humans or I can have three humans with me, but everyone else is billions of miles away. Maybe that's why he agreed to do the mission. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I've got to say, not, not only the female characters, but they weren't really fleshed out like we didn't know anything about the astronauts we don't know really anything about their lives or like their or if they had families or anything like that it, it does feel as though this, this film is very much about the ape side of things it's very yes, much about looking which we have not touched at on at all well i mean it, it's only fitting i mean like the first 30 minutes of this film has yeah. no apes it's all astronauts and the crash and then walking around Utah uh, for about three days. Space Utah. Space Utah, <laughs> um, which does look great as a setting. Though. Oh, yeah, no, it really it was, did. It was really, really well used. The um, Forbidden Zone. Which I believe is what it's called now still. Is it? Like in Utah? The well, Forbidden Zone? yeah, bits of Moab. I can certainly understand why. Um, and then, of course, um, they, they have the little planting the flag when they first crash. Which was, I thought, really sweet. And it's then, like their last link to home. And then mm. George Taylor just does a really evil laugh. Yeah. What I loved uh, about that, Anna, was that moment elicited a, a, a verbal reaction from you. You went, oh, <laughs> And at the same time, Charlton elicited a reaction from him of, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, he just starts cackling. I think you're a nicer person than, uh, than Charlton Heston's oh, George Taylor. I feel like Taylor. that's a super low bar. <laughs> so thanks, I guess. It is good to know you clear it. Oh, well, and, <laughs> I'll take it. And also, as we learned during this film, um, you'd know what to do in the situation because you've been to space camp, Anna. I have been to space camp. Now, I've yes. never been to space camp. In a, in a sort of very quick 30-second rundown, what happens at space camp? And does um, it stay there? Well, and can anyone hear you scream? <laughs> 
Look, our science teacher was very fond of saying in space camp, no one can hear you scream. Um, it Whoa. was basically, yeah, it was basically part of my high school science and technology program. So a bunch of us went to space camp in Alabama when I was 16. So I don't like it was quite a while ago. And I did also get very, very sick and have to be quarantined from the rest of space camp. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have chest pains that burst out of your chest at any point? No, I did not have the alien disease. I don't know what I had. Anyway, it doesn't mm. matter. Um, yeah, it's kind of like very watered down astronaut training for kids who are interested in science. And then at the end of it, you are either on the um, you are on the spaceship and you have to do the mission, or you're back home in or on planet Earth, sort of in mission control. And because I was so sick and miserable, they let me choose what I wanted to be. So I was the flight controller of the whole mission, which now I think about it, I was like, man, I was not, I shouldn't have been doing that, even for a fake mission to yeah. fake space. Mm. Were you still really fluid? Okay, and now we're going. <laughs> yeah, and, it was not good. And they'd throw like, oh no, this thing's broken up in space. And I was like, what? Ah, yeah. Now, we're during, all dying. Your, during your space camp. Yes. Did you have to encounter any dangerous rocks that just move by themselves, like in this film? No, I think that is exclusive to Space Utah. Yeah, just the big boulders. Yeah. I mean, I get that it showed that, you know, this is a dangerous and hostile environment. Yeah. You know, that it's very alien. This the is rules before... of gravity don't apply here, apparently. Yeah, well, only in certain times. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, although they do find that plant. Uh, where's the Which first they sign promptly of pull out of the ground. Mm. They've got a friend. It's like, hey, you're alive, we're alive, let's, let's hang out. You encounter that a lot in movies, though, where they go, oh, pretty flower, pick it instantly. Mm. Uh, but this one where they've made a point of going, there's no vegetation for a while Oh, look, there. it's the first thing we found. And they it dig does, it out. It does feed into that overall narrative that comes in really strong at the end, that man yeah. is destructive. Mm. And as Which, they say, look, that's not an incorrect narrative. Yeah. Like, I'll give them that one. Yeah. They're not wrong. And it, it does feed into that overall motivation of what Dr. Zayas goes through, which we'll get into a little bit later, about trying to preserve this new status quo with apes in charge and keeping humanity quashed yes. so that they can't mess everything up again. So it's it's certainly interesting. Um, and then, of course, they they get to the great ape chase, the, the great um, herding up all the humans. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Really effective sequence. Still holds up as being like quite a lot of peril in that, Dan. Yeah. The stunt work was casually really dangerous and impressive like they were just heaps of people jumping down how how high do you think that was like three meters yeah it, it was a, it was a fair drop it was yeah and there were just a lot of people in very unsafe situations just going over but i guess i suppose that is a situation where you don't have to hire actors as such you can just hire stunt people because mm. they have no lines they have no characters really not They're just we're... like there to fall down a cliff and be herded, and mm. um, stunt people could do that. I'm imagining a heck of a lot better than than people who aren't trained. Yeah, so, yeah. run of the mill actor. Yeah, and it was it was a very effective sequence. Uh, these apes really like nets. Uh, something that we see throughout the film. Humans yeah. really don't like nets. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm calling bull it. on the whole net situation. You, you, how come? I just I feel like. I mean, I'm probably fairly physically useless, so maybe not me, but I just feel like a net would not incapacitate you to the degree that we saw in that movie. They they capture um, Charlton Heston's uh, George Taylor 
Um, poor Dodge, the only black astronaut, gets shot in, in a big turn up for the books. I'm so glad you said his name because I was about to be really terrible and ask if he had a name. Well, they, they only really mention it, um, I think, when when he is shot and um, George Taylor is going over him to go, Dodge, Dodge, and oh, then he finds him these days. Maybe that was just an instruction. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Actually, I, I remember that I kind of thought it was his not, name. Dodge. Not his name. Yeah, you're saying it too late there, George. And the th- the really horrible thing with Dodge as well is not oh, yeah, only was... not only does he oh. die by getting shot, he gets shot again like an hour later after he's already dead because he is stuffed and used as a museum exhibit of like the primitive humans. And when um, George Taylor is next to him, one of the apes shoots at him and it hits Dodge again. <laughs> and it's just like... that. It, it, he really is, adding insult yeah, to injury He is there. the unluckiest person in this film. And there are some really unlucky people. And yeah. his name is Dodge. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh poor guy. I, I gotta, I, at first, when, when I was remembering this film from before, uh, I was thinking, oh yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of pretty bad moments in uh, Charlton Heston's an, an arsehole. But... Um, Actually, it kind of is, is maybe subtly brilliant because it shows Charlton Heston and humans being pretty pretty fallible and pretty awful, to put it mildly. And then it kind of makes sense, all the story, and you go, oh, actually, no, fair enough. Yeah, they should have blown it up. Mm, certainly. Uh, and so, obviously, um, George is captured. He gets shot in the neck, and it's a really effective um, special effect. That they do. Yeah, it looked like, good. It, yeah, it looked good. Well, the, most of the special effects in this film, sort of prosthetic-wise, and mm. it just held up really, really well. It really has. The eight masks really surprised me how well mm. they hold up. They were good. Mm. Much better than um, Space Odyssey, would you? Um, I want to say yes, but I think that's probably because they were so, like a huge part of this film. Mm. So I feel like the amount of work that would have had to go into them in the first place to make them look so real would have been a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I believe there was something like 80 makeup artists on this film. I think it was like, Mm. it was a massive undertaking. Um, And yeah, um, I I did find myself at points realising that that they were all in masks and forgetting that. Yes. And that coming back. Especially, I think, with Dr. Zayas. Yeah. Yeah, his mask was incredible. Mm. So good. Yeah, and it's just a really, really great thing. And a fun fact about the mask from the uh, trivia troll... Um, Jerry Goldsmith wore a gorilla mask whilst writing and conducting the scores for the film to get a better touch with the film. Did he do that before getting contracted for this film? Like, was that just a personal habit? That of his feels life? super unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. so unnecessary. Feels like something you'd say while drunk afterwards mm. to people. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I took it really well, seriously, yeah. guys. Took it so seriously. Gorilla mask. Yep. Mm. Constantly. My wife hated it. That's why there are so many mistakes on the score sheet. <laughs> Yeah, it did sound a little bit like some of the um, some of the score, though effective, was done in the kitchen. There was yeah. a lot of like pots and pans being bashed. very discordant. I think is yeah. the word. Although I really like the use of the horns, like the the sort of the noise of the brought in to bring in that kind of like level of danger and peril. I thought that was yeah. really well used, except when they were doing things like just crawling down that hill face. Yes, and, there was that and the danger music. music. There was like real danger music going on in the background, and you're like, nothing is happening. This is a weird tonal shift. Yeah, you know, it hurts when you fall down a hill. I think that was a fair warning that they were giving. Yeah, but not like danger music hurts. It's Mm. more like... Yeah, that's it. That's better. So, uh, Charlton Heston is captured. George Taylor is captured. um, And he's in the prison. And Dr. Zira is 
keeping an eye on him. And you've, you've already started laughing. Sorry. <laughs> I just thought about that stupid man hose thing again. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, while we were listening to the film, um, w- when um, Charlton Heston is screaming, it's a madhouse, a madhouse. It was misheard. As Context, he is being sprayed with like a giant hose. fire hose. Yeah, and it's misheard as, it's a man hose, a man hose, by our guests. And... Um, yeah, it is. It works arguably much better it's, if he's screaming. It's a manhole. It is funnier. I'll give it that. Oh, no layers. Oh, it's um, and so yeah, he's in prison, uh, mm-hmm. and this is where Doctor Zira finds him, and he she finds out that he can write when he snatches the uh, notepad off her and writes, "My name is Taylor." And this is a huge thing for them because this is like the equivalent of finding out, as we were discussing beforehand while we were watching, this is like finding out that dogs could talk. Did you notice, though, the handwriting that he used to write my name is Taylor and literally everything else did not match up? No, it didn't. Hmm. Completely different. Yeah, but, well, you know, it's... I know, I'm I'm just being super nitpicky. It is. Maybe he was a really talented um, calligrapher. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that was his... Maybe that's his backstory. uh, That was his passion. Yeah. And that's why he was so frustrated being in space. I can't (laughs) write anything ever again. Um, But yeah, so he's in in prison. He gets hosed down a few times. Uh, He gets a nice present. He gets given Nova, the woman. Yes, because uh, that's, that's a fine thing to do. Yeah. And actually, it's like, we've got a present for you. And it's Zira who gives it, who gives, um, I even said it then, gives gives Nova to uh, George, essentially. But in the same way that we, we, in like, when we've got animals in the zoo, we give them a mate, mm. you know, in the hope of getting, maybe keeping them happy, getting little zoo babies, that kind of thing. But when, when it's in the context of seeing like a human being given to another human as a present it does show that that's like a really jarring Especially standard. when the human that's being given as a present is presented in the film as having a much lower sort of intelligence mm. and capability level. And yeah. Newton's subservient. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It is a bit... Ugh. Like if you give like a panda to another panda as a mate, you kind of assume they're both on the same. Well, but, but maybe that's the mistake we're making. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe we've been getting this all... Maybe that's why the pandas aren't breeding because they're like, look, they are not my type. You know, maybe it's that. What I found really disturbing as well was uh, how it wasn't breeding in captivity. That wasn't the sort of intent behind Zira giving uh, Nova um, to to Charlton. Um, it it was she thought he was doing good and so was rewarding him by throwing him a mate, uh, and that just seemed really unnecessary and like there was a precedent yeah, for that him, maybe like, give him some food or a shirt a shirt he clearly wants one he's been using that rag as like a dress for like a, while. a dress poncho yeah. thing that was going on it yeah. looked quite good i think he did quite it good it was all right everything considered yeah given it was probably okay. covered in like urine and stuff he, he did he made it work but like we saw <laughs> them giving the other humans sugar cubes mm. so give him like a bowl of sugar cubes don't give him a person and she leapt straight to that very quickly yeah. he all he had to do was sort of mouth what i didn't think looked like words it was just him no, going very my good. throat's hurting uh and she's and, like here have mm. a hot chick mm. yeah pretty much mm. well you know maybe that's why you know Dr. Zira respected, but not the top of the scientific food chain. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Jumps yeah. to some very weird conclusions. It wasn't just she was challenging the status quo. It's also, uh, actually, 
actually maybe stop giving giving humans to other humans so much. Yeah. Anyway, well, whilst the uh, Doctor Zero was acting like a uh, chimp pimp. Um, how long have you been yeah. waiting to say chip pimp? A little while. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's we, we are introduced to uh, Cornelius, who is her uh, partner. Um, he, in, he in, seems pretty yeah, great in science and in and in their relationship as well. Um, I mean, he's he's a little bit more conceited and a bit more hard headed than she is, but he comes around when presented the evidence. Yeah, mm. and it's interesting when you have him contrasted with Doctor Zayas, who sees the evidence and tries his very best to cover everything up. And for a lot of the film, you're looking at that and going, oh, you, you're being evil. You, you even said at one point, Anna, because I wrote this down, you're a bad monkey when he, <laughs> when he destroyed some of the evidence. I, I, did, I, did say um, that. I did say that. But when you get to the end of the film, you sort of understand why Dr. Zayas did what he did as well. Yeah. Because he knows if you give man a free reign, they'll blow up the planet like they have already done. But obviously, as an audience watching it for the first time, you don't have that context. No. So it's a really interesting thing. And I think um, we were all pretty impressed with Roddy McDowell getting a real uh, getting a real character out there through all that prosthetic. Yeah, he used it really well. They, they all kind of did, actually. They, uh, they used their sort of facial features in the mask uh, really, really nicely, even though they couldn't do more subtle facial movements. I'm indicating my own face. I realise that's kind of useless on this medium. Uh, but they, yeah, they couldn't do their, their own facial twitches, so they did little things with their larger ape mouths, uh, which, which I found very pleasing. And I can imagine that, especially when you're doing a movie like that and everyone's literally dressed up as monkeys, it must be the temptation to not sort of take it as seriously and put mm. the effort in. It must be there yeah. in the back of their heads. But all of them like committed 100%. Mm. Like, yes, I am playing a monkey and he's a scientist. Mm. What of it? Well, part of the reason <laughs> that the, the acting from the, the ape actors was so good was actually Roddy McDowell uh, recommended to all of his companions in makeup that they should frequently add ticks, such as blinks or facial gestures, to add that realism to stop them from appearing mask-like. Oh. Uh, McDowell was also reportedly a bit of a prank on the film uh, and would often drive home with his makeup on I love, I love that yeah shocking other people <sighs> that in the I car. love so yeah excellent yeah stuff. but you're right because at one point Cornelius even though he's just standing there he's what is that called on an ape the muzzle that seems wrong oh the, where the mouth I've been yeah. calling it a facial mound so, oh that's worse <laughs> oh I don't like that let's just, let's just say the mouth the mouth he's like moving it up and down hmm. it's just like this twitch that mm. kind of draws your eye and it makes it look much more realistic mm. than someone with like a hunk of plastic yeah. on their and face. Yeah, and I think they just did a really, really great job. Yeah, in, they just in, did. In making the apes seem, well, not human, but, but like people. But real. Yeah, like mm. real, like as though they are civilised. Um, mm. It's, yeah, it's really fun. And then we get to the trial sequence um, where, of course, uh, Zira and... Cornelius are presenting George Taylor and going, look, this is this could be the missing link. And it's being shut down by the uh, orangutans uh, who's in charge. Yeah. The, the sort of uh, weirdly Donald Trump-looking yeah. <laughs> council of four. Yeah, is... the shade was the same. Mm. So it was, um, yeah, it was, but that was really interesting. And it really, uh, when I was doing research into this, um, that section of the film was partly written and edited by uh, someone whose name escapes me now, but they were involved in the McCarthy oh, trials. Oh, um, that's and, and interesting. They were a that's victim of those trials. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the note, but it certainly, it felt very, um, 
it, it when with that context and watching it, mm. it, it feels very um, prescient. It feels like yeah. a really interesting commentary on what McCarthy did, especially um, Charlton. I know he has a character name, but... George Taylor. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> Charlton George Taylor Heston constantly trying to talk and then being like, no, no, we represent you. And then when no one's listening to that, he goes, well, I'll represent myself. I'll defend myself. And they instantly sort of muzzle him and shut him down. Mm. And it, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's interesting. It shows that sort of, um, just that hypocrisy in, in the apes, but it also reflects on hypocrisy that we see in everyday life yeah. uh, as as people. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a really interesting thing and, no, and it watching is. it again, it was a case of, oh, wow, yeah, okay, that's um, that's fun. <laughs> that's a well, fun I mean, comparison. 1960s, the time period is right for that sort of political mm. commentary. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, um, the trial doesn't go well. Uh, no. George Taylor is uh, going to be uh, lobotomized basically much like um, Landon was um, because Dr. Zayas needs to silence him uh, but Dr. Zayas also thinks you must come from somewhere so where is this tribe that is producing intelligent humans I must quash them uh, and so in order to escape being lobotomized he and uh, Cornelius and Zira escape and then we get to the uh, dig site on the beach Yes, and that's a really interesting sequence as well um, when we discover, oh, hang on a second, this this is starting to look awfully familiar. Um, and you, you were very interested in seeing that dig site uh, yeah. when they weren't or when they weren't there. You were like, come on, get to the get to the site. Well, just because they kept well, Cornelius kept mentioning that when he previously went to do this archaeological excavation a year previously, he'd found artifacts, and I was just really curious as to what sort of the filmmakers decided was going to be the artifacts that proved humans had been there. Like, what would you choose to put in your movie? And obviously uh, those artifacts ended up being a doll, which turns out could talk that no one knew until uh, Nova tilted it around a bit. Yeah. Um, and there was the glasses. The, the glasses, the pacemaker, and it was really interesting seeing uh, George Taylor explain the concept of a pacemaker and the apes all being like, mm. what on earth is this? Mm. Uh, you know, like... That's incredible. But they, to be perfectly fair, if someone showed me like a stent or a valve from a pacemaker, and I would have no idea, I would not be able to identify one true, straight off the bat. Just explaining the concept that it was something that was built to keep a weaker creature alive. Yeah, oh, and the yeah. false teeth. That yeah. And the, the false teeth, thing. yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, I think it was really interesting. Which is like rude, because loads of people need pacemakers and glasses and false teeth. And... True, but maybe this ape society, we haven't seen enough of it, but maybe no. this ape society doesn't have that. Maybe it doesn't have things that help keep the sick and the lame alive. So that could potentially be a revolutionary idea. Interesting. Yeah, yeah the only time we see um, uh, a crutch used is to poke a prisoner. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of had like a broom on the other end of it. So. Mm. Yeah, so it, it is interesting that it seems a much more... Not so much primitive, but less... Um, Frail. Yeah, like less helpful. Like mm. Not so much like... Uh, helping out the meek or the sick. Well, yeah, that that is interesting actually because they it, they didn't make a point of saying one way or the other. It was just sort of not shown that anyone had glasses or or failing uh, sort of movement. There were there were no um, examples of uh, a 
aging population sort yeah. of a thing. Uh, yeah, like, so it was either that they were, but all they really clearly strong. were because Doctor Zayas at one point talks about his granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but he he has no no sort of physical yeah. maladies. He doesn't need mm. need glasses or anything. So it, it, it's not explicitly said whether they don't need that typically or whether they, they just expunge the weakness. Mm. It could just be that that's just not something that has developed within their society, and a lot of their society, at least what we see, does seem it's to quite be de- small, devoted to quashing humans. Yeah, I mean, in in the original book, their society was supposed to reflect uh, modern human society. So kind of like a fifties, sixties. Um, looking society with streets and maybe even cars. Oh. Um, but because the of the production costs of the film, they sort of tailored it back so that it was more of a um, kind of like a an earlier stage of the human society. Which I think works because it does then make it much less obvious mm. where he's ended up, mm. where mm. the spaceship has crashed. So that does kind of work in their favour. Yeah, and we also see we, we only really see one child or one or two children in these apes. We get the yeah. um, we get the teenager, um, who I think it was Lucius. <laughs> yeah, who who is very much like a sixties teenager. Very like, gung ho. Oh man, don't trust anyone over thirty, son. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Um, Already there, Charlton. Yeah, and um, yeah, and we 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 don't see very many female characters either. No, or maybe we just couldn't tell because they're they're a little harder to distinguish because. That they tend That's to dress true. the same. Yeah, like which put... I I did quite like that it wasn't like look at the lady ape, look yeah. at her boobs. I was really like, oh mm. please, mm. please don't let that be how they've done it. Mm. Although uh, Charlton Heston does give Zira a kiss at the yep, end. Yep, that was not good. <laughs> that was an unpleasant thing to Dad, watch. You didn't remember that uh, they they had a kiss at the end. Well, no, no, I didn't. Um, and not only did I not remember that. They had a kiss. I didn't remember the, how lingering it was. Yeah, what and the how, hell? Like, it looked like she proffered her cheek to him. It was like, oh, okay, yeah. sure, a nice friendly kiss goodbye. Okay, that's a bit strange, but whatevs. And he just full on slowly goes straight for the front of her lips and hangs out there for a bit. Yeah. And then retreats. Maybe there was some glue on the mask. Maybe he got stuck. That's the only we possible can thing. but hope. Because yeah. otherwise, the implications are just uh, mm. unnecessary. But I mean, the... maybe that's how that yeah. race of super intelligent apes evolved in the and, first place. And you know, the um, the I'd like to kiss you mm. goodbye. That's replicated in the Tim Burton remake. Mark Wahlberg um, kisses Is it as lingering Helen and Bonham Carter in all the prosthetic stuff. That that still happens in that film as well. Huh. So. I, I don't know if that's more just a case of them doing a shot-for-shot shot remake. But there was a romance there. Like, they developed a bit of a thing oh, where, yeah. where they had a had a had um, an interaction and it, it wasn't entirely out of the blue. With, with Zira, it was... She helped him escape and she was nice to him and he was... Well, it was a bit of a... He was a bit less of a dick to her than he was to everyone else. Uh, but there was no... There was nothing there. And then all of a sudden, it's just but lingering I don't know. When, kiss. When he asked her at the end, he's like, can I give you a kiss or whatever the line was, she kind of had that look about her that was like, oh, um, oh, okay. Like, but she, she does say, but you're so damn ugly. Yeah, but she wasn't like 100% averse to the idea. You could see, yeah, that's true. which was, again, and it uncomfortable Cornelius to up. look at. Yeah, Cornelius was not happy. I like how you said that uh, that those famous final lines were, were ad-libbed. Maybe he just ad-libbed that moment too. Mm. I'd like to give you a kiss. And she was all, uh, uh, has anyone got a cold cut? Oh, they're uh, still rolling. Uh, okay. Oh, you're so ugly. Oh. <laughs> That's just really how she felt about yeah. Charlton Heston. 
And then, of course, uh, Charlton Heston and uh, Nova ride off with the horse to try and find new land. Dr. Zaius blows up the cave and explains that he is preserving their society to save the world. Yes. Because man can't be allowed to uh, succeed again. And then we get to them on the beach, Statue of Liberty half submerged, and Charlton Heston lying on the sand going, You blew it up! Damn you all to hell! Great delivery. Really yeah. great that it was, you know, partly ad-libbed as well. Um, it's a really great end to the film. And it's also yeah. quite... I mean, it is. It is good. Yeah. But it's also really quite tragic when you think about it because he sees the Statue of Liberty and has this earth-shattering revelation. <laughs> and... Oh, ha-ha. <laughs> so I did not mean that at all. Um, and there's no one he can share it with. Mm. It's not like he can... He can't turn to he Nova could, and to say... To Dr. Sayers, though. Well, yeah. he would understand, be the one he person would. who would. But it's not like, I mean, he can't turn to Nova. It would be about as useful as turning to the horse they're mm. with and being like, have you seen what this is? In fact, uh, as was mentioned as well during our watching, I mean, the horses had greater character development than Nova. They clearly had the transition of power nailed down pat. They went from humans to apes yeah. with very little... They were like, you know, we're happy with our, yeah, with our place. Okay. This is a very stable spot to be. Yeah. The power under the throne. Mm. So it is kind of... Tragic in that sense. Like I didn't, I didn't like him, and I felt almost no sympathy for him. But just the fact that you see the worst thing that could possibly happen, and there's no one you can turn to and go, "Do you see this too?" Mm. And we can share our feelings about this. Mm. So, Anna, yes, that was your first time seeing the film. Lucky me. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy it? Um, not really. No, no, no. Like I enjoyed watching it with you two and mm. making fun of it. But I honestly think, like, it was just him. He was so very unlikable, mm. consistently unlikable. There wasn't one moment of, like, of tenderness or sympathy or anything really redeeming in his character. Like, the concept, I think, is great. The execution was really good. He just kind of sucked. Well, through the trivia troll, yes. there is a list of potential actors that could have played it. Now, Charlton oh. Heston was always very attached to the project yeah. and was always the first choice because he really wanted to help get this project made. Even though he wasn't a big fan of the script when he first read yeah. it, he kind of grew to like it as a concept. Uh, but here are some of the other actors that were considered. Now, you just a simple yay or nay, okay. whether you'd is, prefer. Is this a very long list? Uh, there's a couple. Okay. okay. Uh, Sean Connery. Oh, God, no. You blow it up. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Get that your hands like... off me, you damn And then him bitch. and Nova, it would have been like James Bond, but just oh, with yeah. apes. Just terrible. Mm. Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah, mm. maybe. I, I could have seen that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he wouldn't have had a ball to throw against the wall, but <laughs> I think he'd have enjoyed it. No, I can see that one. Uh, Paul Newman? Yes. They're all this very similar, mm, aren't yeah. they? Mm. It's like rugged, qu- yeah. quasi-blonde man. Well, yeah. I mean, the next one on the list is Rock Hudson. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gregory Peck? Oh, I love yes. I yeah. love Gregory Peck. He, I feel, would have made the character more sympathetic. Scout. Come here, Scout. <laughs> they blew it all to... <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I mean, uh, maybe I say that because I just really like Gregory Peck. Uh, and John Wayne. Oh. Probably would have made my grandpa love the film more. Yeah. He really liked. He really liked John Wayne. Yeah, um, I yeah th- maybe. I don't think John Wayne would but have. Right. I feel like Wayne didn't bring a lot of nuance to his characters, did he? Not particularly. No. Uh, certainly not in the late '60s. Yeah. I mean, he was. He 
done a lot of his good stuff by then. Mm. Um, I don't know if it would have worked. Probably not. I mean, like, I don't think Charlton Heston did a bad job. Mm. I just think I really didn't like his character. Mm. There were a couple of alternatives for Dr. Zaius on this list as well. Yes. Uh, Dan, I'm going to run these by you. You let me know if you think they would... Uh, re- is one of them an actual orangutan? No. Oh, that's no mm. good then. Uh, Yul Brynner. Oh. What a weird choice. Yeah, very that's strange. An odd one. But... Baby. Yeah, I, th- I think it would have been good. He had the eyes. Mm. Yeah. Alec Guinness? This is 10 years before Star Wars. Yeah. So this, yeah, he yeah. could have been tied... Yeah, Alec Guinness always just seems really tired. Yeah. He could have been tied to a different science fiction franchise that he'd hate. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think because, yeah, because he, he does always look a bit tired, even when he was younger. Yeah, uh, yeah I, think, I think he could have done a good job of it, but he... Uh, not, not good enough. No. Lawrence Olivier. Oh, wait, how old was Olivier at this point? Uh, this is 16 years after Lawrence of Arabia, so I'm not sure, actually. Um, a, a decent age. <laughs> a let's, decent let's go age. with that. <laughs> I can't see him doing a science fiction film. No, that's a bit of a struggle for yeah. me to imagine as well. I could almost imagine a, a younger, younger Lawrence uh, as, um, as Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah, almost. But... Not as Dr. Zayas. No, no, not really. No. And finally on this list, Orson Welles. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, he could play a good Nova. Yeah. That would have been incredible. <laughs> Orson Welles' as Nova. I'd like to see that. I would watch that film again. <laughs> Just, that would, be, yeah. would make a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. He'd be very nice to cuddle in the cage at the very yeah. least. Yeah, he's a bit more meat on the bones than she did. She so. was very trim. Yes. Um, so, Dan. Rewatching that film for the first time in many years, mm. how does it stand up for you? Better, actually. Uh, I I really had a lower opinion of it in my mind before. Um, now, yes. I will say that yes. uh, Charlton Heston's character is the biggest arsehole that, that just I. I didn't realise how big of an arsehole he was before, and that worries me, because I think that the parts that I really take issue with his character with um, uh, uh, about um, uh, when he's portrayed in the hero-type light of standing up for truth and saving fellow humans and fighting against tyranny, but actually I, I, I quite liked his character, even with all, all warts and all, um, when he was proving the apes right yeah he was being a destructive arsehole who was callous and disrespectful and disregarding others uh other species and everything but when they tried to sort of hollywoodize him into the protagonist then it it just didn't match it felt very hollow Mm. hollow yes indeed cool um i think we should score the film give it give it a rating out of 10 so this is uh traditionally what we do at the end Acknowledging that art is subjective and that these numbers don't <laughs> actually have much bearing on your opinion of the film, but it's just fun to score things mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, we so, like it. Uh, Anna, as you've um, already scored one of these before, uh, show us how it's done. Oh. What would you give this film out of 10? I'm trying to remember what I gave Space Odyssey. Um, I'd probably give it. Well, like, it's a good film. Just because I didn't enjoy it doesn't mean it's not a good film that sort of is very thought provoking. I'd probably give it about a. Seven, seven and a half? Out of ten? That's, yeah, that's out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Mm. Just not your cup of tea. No. A perfectly no. fine cup of tea. Just not yeah. mine. Yeah. Like oolong. 
I don't mind Oolong. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's yeah, not my off. not my personal choice. No. But it's a perfectly fine tea. Yes. Um, Wait, is Oolong the one that tastes like smoke? I think you may have burnt it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Never mind. <laughs> so, Dan, out of ten, what would you give The Planet of the Apes? Um, I think... It, yeah, it, it is a very good movie, and even uh, the parts of it which I out loud laugh at or uh, think uh, should not be romanticised and lauded, um, there are aspects that were really cool about it. So I'm, I'm going to say a solid six. However, oh, that's, if quite, that's lower than it, me. It, well, it started as a four when oh. I came here today. <laughs> um, so uh, a six, but um, if the... Uh, if Charlton Heston lent into being a, a complete arsehole and didn't try to um, s- slap a hero sort of a uh, motif over over what he was doing, then it would have been a seven to nearly an eight. Okay. Uh, for me, um, the, the film really stands up. It stands up as a really solid film, maybe a little long, but but at the same time... Not massively so. There were a lot of lingering shots of people walking through rocky Utah desert, but I think it still worked. Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of problematic things like we've discussed already. Um, But at the same time, I don't think they hinder the story hugely. Um, I think it's just more... And as we've seen, we wouldn't make a Planet of the Apes film like that nowadays because that's not what the current ones are like. That's not what they look like. So uh, for me, I think I'd have to give the original Planet of the Apes... Seven awkward human simian kisses out of ten. <laughs> so, so awkward. Mm. So lingering. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Who do you think of worse breath? Uh, oh. oh. You saw Charlton Heston's Charlton teeth Heston. throughout that. Yeah, he's they got quite a, lot of, a lot of them. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. Heston, mm. Charlton, whatever his name is. Mm. I think it was George Taylor. But. <laughs> George Taylor, that's it. I knew, I knew it was in there somewhere. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Anna and Dan, for joining me on this uh, episode. You are welcome. Thank oh, you for having us. Pleasure. Thank you. Yes. And that's all for this week. So uh, for those of you at home, uh, we are available on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club for updates there. And you can subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes so that you can get each episode fresh out of the oven every Wednesday. Uh, But that's all for now, so until next time, goodbye. That was creepy. You guys can say goodbye as well. Oh, goodbye. What was creepy about it? Just everything. How, how How should I do it instead? Maybe not staring dead into her eyes. Yeah, okay, it was okay. staring. Okay, I'll try it again. Try, try it again, okay. try it again. I could do it like Charlton Heston, maybe. Oh, oh how? Okay, um, Okay. this is how Charlton Heston would I'm say I'm assuming goodbye. you're going to cut all this previous <laughs> goodbyeing. Maybe. <laughs> Give us a kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>